Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, as the COVID-19 death rate continues to decline in the U.S., some states are beginning the process of cautiously reopening for business. This has not stopped other states like California from embracing a complete vote-by-mail scheme in preparation for an absentee election in the fall. Nor has it stopped federal Democratic legislators from attempting to mandate a vote-by-mail system nationwide by attempting to include funding for that scheme in their preferred iteration of the next COVID-19 relief bill, which they've named the HEROES Act. We'll also discuss how Democratic leaders in pushing for the HEROES Act are essentially seeking to incentivize states to remain closed by funding them in the coming weeks, if not months, and using the pandemic as justification. And finally, we'll discuss how Big Union is apparently trying to shut down levity itself by accusing a prominent conservative publisher of violating provisions of the National Labor Relations Act because he told a joke on Twitter. Former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, now a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, has been tracking state and national COVID-19 numbers since the start of the pandemic, and said Thursday on Twitter that there is a sustained decline in deaths nationally, and this is a sign the epidemic is easing. But Democratic leaders in the states and at the federal level are still insisting on systemic and damaging changes to meet what they believe are challenges arising from a long-term shutdown. The most prominent example is their unrelenting push for vote-by-mail. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order May 8th, making his state a vote-by-mail state, in which every voter will receive a mail-in ballot before the election, in an attempt, he says, to maintain safe social distancing on Election Day. The potential for fraud in a vote-by-mail scheme has been described in great detail by this organization, with CRC investigative researcher Hayden Ludwig writing, Quote, mail-in voting expands the chain of events involved in casting a ballot and radically expands the opportunities for fraudsters to tamper with an election. It can also radically extend how long an election lasts, as partisans demand that ballots arriving after the official election date be counted. In 36 states, somebody else can legally deliver voters absentee ballots with their permission, usually a family member or attorney. But 13 states allow generally anybody to collect absentee ballots with serious consequences, end quote. J. Christian Adams of the Public Interest Legal Foundation and Hans von Spakovsky of the Heritage Foundation have been covering the vote-by-mail issue as well, referring to mail-in ballot failures as America's, quote, hidden voting epidemic. In an April 17th piece for Fox News, they noted that federal data from the U.S. Election Assistance Commission indicated millions of mail ballots through several election cycles were never counted as completed votes. Quote, according to the commission's 2016 report, for example, more mail ballots were misdirected and unaccounted for than the margin of votes between Hillary Clinton and Donald J. Trump. Despite this, Democrats at the federal level are still trying to mandate a nationwide vote-by-mail system and using the coronavirus pandemic and state closures as justification for adoption of the scheme. As Politico reported on May 13th, quote, House Democrats have proposed mandating that states send all voters a ballot in the case of emergencies in their most recent coronavirus relief package, dubbed the HEROES Act along with other sweeping changes to the elections. 
The bill would also require universal no-excuse absentee voting, online, and same-day voter registration, and expanded early voting, among other changes. Speaking of the HEROES Act, despite the fact that AEI and others like the Heritage Foundation, whose county-by-county breakdown of COVID-19 death shows most counties have had no COVID deaths at all, Democrats on the Hill are less interested in allowing state governments and the American people the right to assume the risk of opening as the death rate declines and seem more interested in funding states to remain closed to achieve their policy goals. The HEROES Act, according to WUSA 9, would dole out nearly $3 trillion, quote, providing nearly $1 trillion to states and cities to avert layoffs of police, firefighters, and other essential workers as tax revenues tank during the shutdown. It boosts another round of $1,200 direct cash payments to Americans, extends unemployment benefits, and launches a rent and mortgage relief fund. It provides $75 billion for more virus testing, end quote. Considering that $3.6 billion in additional funding will also go to state-based election officials to help prepare them to hold elections in the middle of the pandemic, it stands to reason leaders in states that are embracing vote-by-mail are expecting to be funded for their efforts. And finally, while we're on the subject of liberal legislative wish lists, proponents of the Pro-Union Pro Act, which passed the House of Representatives earlier in 2020, were no doubt celebrating when Ben Dominich, prominent conservative publisher of The Federalist, made a joke on Twitter and told his employees, should they attempt to unionize, he would be sending them back to the salt mine. The celebrations by those who favor unions would have come because Dominich, who immediately was immediately slapped with charges brought by outside progressive groups, alleging he, alleging he had violated provisions of the National Labor Relations Act, specifically those dealing with prohibitions on employers with regard to dissuading unionization among employees. As CRC's research director, Mike Watson, wrote, the, quote, union wish list bill that the House of Representatives passed earlier this year would give the NLRB power to issue, issue civil penalties for infractions, presumably including Dominich's alleged infraction. But the PRO Act, continues Watson, goes much further in curtailing the rights of business owners to express non-coercive opinions about the potential effects of employee unionizing on the business's operations and economic future. PRO Act would limit employers' ability to campaign against union organizing by strictly limiting their ability to speak to all employees. In contrast, it would give union organizers exhaustive lists of the workers' personal and private contact information with which to campaign, including by showing up on workers' doorsteps. Dominic, to his credit, is fighting the charges on free speech grounds. But the PRO Act is proof that some legislators on the left would very much like to stack the deck in favor of their union overlords. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.